Hello and welcome to the BBC Good Food Podcast with me, Tom Kerridge. Hello and welcome to the latest BBC Good Food Podcast with me, your host, Tony Naylor, joined as ever by Tom Kerridge. Say hello, Tom. Hey, you all right, mate? I'm fine, thank you. And today we are joined by Chef Robin Gill, the culinary brains behind esteemed London restaurants Darby's, Sorella and the forthcoming Maria G's. Hello, Robin. Hi, how's it going? I'm good. Uh, do you know Tom? I do, yeah. We know each other, yeah, through the industry and mutual friends. Good stuff. So uh, we're here today to discuss arguably one of the most historically abused and recently most improved items in British food. The days are getting warmer, so it's time for us to explore salad. So, Robin, by way of a bit of initial therapy, can we reel back the ears for the younger listeners here to just how bad salads were in Britain and Ireland in the 80s and 90s. We'll get Tom's take in a second. But, you know, I think if you've grown up post-Otolenghi, you might imagine that, you know, this this jeweled, colourful, beautiful world of salads is a natural order of things. This was not the case, was it? No, I mean, I think salad didn't really exist when I was growing up. I don't want to reveal my age, but, you know, a good few years ago, I'd say a salad was the onion and the tomato and a toasted sandwiches in... in <laughs> have around a pint of Guinness and that was it you know I was lucky that I had uh, my mum was a keen grower so we were had lots of salads from the garden but in general you know speaking salads were non-existent I mean Tom is this a misrepresentation I mean I remember there was a time when iceberg lettuce rock hard tomatoes fridge cold and a bit of red onion was about as exciting as it got hey mate you got a red onion in that's an extra <laughs> bonus like i remember the moment that i first saw cherry tomatoes or i was like whoa what is this yeah no salads were literally iceberg lettuce slices of like you say rock hard flavorless almost quite acidic tomatoes no sweetness to them nothing about it no depth of flavor and then maybe a load of salad cream over the top and that was probably it that was the essentially a salad sometimes there'd be an empty cold tin of sweet corn put over oh, the top God, yeah. and you just got like yeah. and that would be like and then it, maybe some kidney beans it was just like this would be like i mean what is that what was that i mean it's kind of but that essentially it was a, a salad in the 80s. That's just reminded me of a salad I once had at McGrann's, which was literally <laughs> Did iceberg, it have beef tongue? iceberg, sweet corn and spam. Whoa. Hey, spam, though. Let's be honest. Spam. There I'm a no, spam fan. There is no nostalgia. <laughs> no nostalgia for that, I'm afraid. <laughs> so something changed at some point. I mentioned Ottolenghi. Uh, slightly jokingly, there's a Christ-like figure in the salad world. But, you know, we now live in a new era, don't we, of uh, salads. We know what tabouille is. You know, we know what panzanella is. I mean, arguably the greatest salad, in my opinion, but we'll come back to that. Um, personally, I remember a couple of Jane Baxter salads uh, back in the day, kind of around 2010. There was a, a superfood salad, uh, feta peas, mint, cooked broccoli and quinoa. I mean, the very fact that you would cook ingredients to put into a salad was quite revolutionary at the time. And then uh, one of hers with fennel, orange, chorizo, avocado and pistachio. I mean, that seemed utterly revelatory that you put that combination of ingredients together and it's a fantastic salad. I mean, have you had those similar moments down the years where suddenly you went, oh, wow, 
This is what salad can be, Robin. Well, I think you've just said it. You, you know, it could be anything. I think it's a it's a matter of just putting great ingredients together and hitting certain key flavor profiles, you know, like salt, acidity, maybe a bit of spice. And it doesn't have to be only iceberg lettuce and sweet corn. That's the thing. It can just open up everything. I think if, if you hit all those different points, like literally it depends on what's in season, you can put it together and be inspired by books, TV, anything. You worked in Italy for a while. I mean, did that change your relationship with fresh veg and salad as a format? Oh, 100%. I mean, that that was for me was the first time I'd actually seen real um, farm to table seasonal ingredients, you know. And I, I went to this place called Don Alfonso's right beside near the Amalfi Coast. He had a farm actually overlooking Capri. It was one of the most romantic, beautiful spots I've ever seen. And he used to drive down to the farm five o'clock in the morning, maybe even earlier, bring a whole lot of produce back in a, in a white van and that's what we cooked with so it was and and seeing things so simple like that where it could be like an artichoke which is sliced raw straight from the garden sliced raw a little bit of lemon juice some olive oil and some chopped parsley through it and that was a salad but it was probably the most amazing thing i've ever tasted you know and and that's where i first came across things like that are we getting too soppy about salads here, Tom, or can they move you to a certain level of uh, teary excitement as well? Listen, I think the term salad, we, we constantly associate it with being leaves and, you know, salad leaves. And remove the idea of it being leaves and just being about a celebration of things that are vegetables, texture, flavour. You know, the leaves are actually something that might take it into an area that you don't want it to be. You know, if you think now you can still buy those bags of salad in the supermarket and they're just, I mean, it's quite quite a sad reflection of what it can be. Mixed leaves now grown beautifully are absolutely stunning with a simple dressing on is amazing. But we've moved on from iceberg. However, iceberg has got a place. I think icebergs are great lettuce, but it's the way that it's always treated. I think we've grown to respect and understand ingredients a lot, lot more. And I think that combination of being able to add flavour, make, you know, they're always dressed in an, an, an oil, a fat of some sort. But then the idea of like roasting some chorizo off, you mentioned earlier, and then like using that chorizo fat, the oil from that to be part of the dressing. So you've almost got this like hot and cold thing going on and you just create these flavor profiles that keep growing and growing and growing. And you you can build something really quite complex, complicated, deep in flavor with, with lots of little kind of like spikes of acidity and spice and all sorts of things that go on texturally fantastic hot and cold you can create so many different things in one bowl that you serve up to somebody and it's absolutely delicious um, but i am still a massive fan of a greek salad There's the simplicity of something like a greek salad for me is amazing but again that's balanced on big punchy flavor from like olives and the acidity and the saltiness that you get from feta cheese you know they they all work really nicely so this is possibly you know impossible philosophically but we're going to try and define what a salad is there you kind of got into it slightly but yeah i mean i'm going to start with two things i think it's you know must be a combination of ingredients so a tangle of watercress next to a steak that's not a salad that's a garnish that's a garnish yeah, yeah i'll go with that right number two it must involve some sort of dressing even if that's just salting veg to draw out their juices and they're sitting in that for a while needs to be dressed in some way so we're are we in agreement about those two things then? so far yeah, so, so far, far yeah right good so beyond that i'm pretty open to any combination of ingredients you know protein too 
So, uh, Robin, I believe you're developing a lamb's tongue salad at the minute that's warm as well. So, you know, this will be off-piste for some people, but tell us about that. Yeah, I'm developing a little menu for like a Parisian uh, idea. Like I love these sort of Parisian cafes and that and some awful cooking. And uh, I came across this recipe in, in, in a book, which was like a bit, a bit daring, you know, not everybody's into tongue, but I just love the idea of it. And it's basically lamb's tongue, which is which is super cheap. And when it's braised overnight is the most amazing thing, super tender and really healthy because there's very little fat on it. So it's an idea for a braised lamb's tongue and you, you cook them overnight so they're super tender, then slice them. And then a simple green bean, really high, high in mustard vinaigrette and a load of shallots, parsley, tarragon, and chervil. And that's it. And I'm really excited to to try it. and it's I think that will kind of in a way shock people a little bit, but it's it's if people are passionate about awful, passionate about French ingredients and, and humble ingredients, it is. It's the salad often comes. Some of the best salads, like you mentioned, panzanella, comes from these old peasant dishes and and I think that's what this is, you know. Tom, are you into uh, protein in salads? Funnily enough, Googling around in the preparation for this, I came across an old Nicewise recipe of yours where you were using tuna. One of my favourites. Grilling tuna steaks. So, you know, no tins of tuna in Tom Kerridge's house. No, but... Going the, all out. Uh, yeah, but again, that's that's a play on one of those classic flavoured dishes that everyone knows. You know, a Nicewise salad is absolutely stunning. But then actually, yeah, grilling the tuna, it, become, it makes it more of an event. You, you know, quite often salads are the thing that you serve with something, but actually it can be... it. it it can be it most definitely is allowed to be the main event but you've got to put the effort the energy you've got to buy the ingredients the things about salad is so so much of them is about the simplicity like everything in ingredients and that there isn't really anywhere to hide and you want everything to be recognizable you want everything to taste fantastic so it's got to be you can't have sad solid like kind of like old lettuce leaves you can't like all of that it just becomes it just becomes a, like a drab accompaniment something you want it to be vibrant you want it to be uh, 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 acidic crunch texture you want all of these things going on you want this massive kind of exciting flavor all stuck together in a bowl is that how much of things have changed now that we take salad seriously as a main course i mean that's a fairly new thing isn't it that you would have a salad well, I think everybody's moving away. Well, everybody's trying to be a lot healthier these days. And we've also got access to a lot better ingredients than we did, say, 10, 15 years ago. Like you're you're seeing things in the supermarket that chefs at, at one point could only get. Do you know what I mean? And, and I think that's a lot more open. And, and our customers are seeing what they can get in restaurants and trying to replicate that at home. So therefore, people are taking a lot more seriously. And I was just as you were talking about seasoning a salad, I think it just kind of made, made me remember my first experiences as a chef in a kitchen is, 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 is learning how to create a great salad is learning how to season something. Because a salad, talking about leaves and things like that, it's 90% water, you know. So when you learn how to make a beautiful salad, it's about the seasoning. And it's, it's the difference between a great salad and a poor salad. And I, I remember learning that, like and this manic chef kind of tasting all the salads and freaking out because it was under season, make me do it again, you know. Lamb's tongue as well, you know, tuna, potatoes. These needn't be kind of lightweight dishes either. You know, these can be quite hefty, substantial dishes, can't they? Yeah, massively. And I think that protein element is quite an interesting way of looking at things as well. You know, the idea of uh, of mixing it together, that it becomes the main 
course, it becomes the thing that you're having, the idea that, you know, drawing that protein into it, it's a, it's a way of perhaps eating less meat, you know, that you're just having flex of it coming through it. That, so you're not missing out on necessarily anything in terms of what you want in terms of that protein and flavor riding through it. I, I think it's also a way of really pulling out big flavors as well. It's a really good way of mixing stuff. And the dressing is so, so important. You know, it's like kind of, you know, there, there's certain ratios, whether it's one part acidity, three or four parts oil is like a classic French dressing kind of thing. But if you look at that, you can do it with so many different ways. I mean, I remember I did once for a, a television show, I did a tomato salad that was dressed in beef fat. So it was beef fat dressing. You use, you roasted, um, you, you chopped up the tomatoes and you, I did a big, roasted a steak and it was served with the steak on the side, but you used the fat from the pan and you deglaze that with Cabernet Sauvignon vinegar and threw in some capers and essentially, you know, it was one part vinegar to the four parts of beef fat and you dress that and poured it all over the tomatoes. And I mean, that is essentially the dressing and you're straight away, you're I'm getting drilling. the protein yeah. into it. <laughs> you're getting the protein into it just from the flavor. It's just, I mean, it's incredible. The sort of things that you can do, you've just got to be a little bit clever and and also salads can be quite forgiving you can have a go at stuff you know you can have a go at things the only thing i would say is try not to mix too many different ideas or elements together don't go you know if you're going down a greek salad use flavors that come from greece or the mediterranean you know or southern france use it but you know provencal style or Italy is fine, but don't then start doing like a Korean style salad with feta cheese and like, you know, you've got to yeah. think about what you're doing. You think about the, 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 the areas where they come from and then you'll end up creating something that's beautiful. Uh, just to go back to my favourite panzanella then, I mean, you know, heft from the bread, but refreshing lightness at the same time. You know, it's got sweetness from the tomatoes, but it's sharp from the olives and, you know, dressing depending on what you use. It's soft, but it's crunchy at the same time. So it's got that variation, and you know, and it's got a variation of texture in the vegetables as well. So the panzanella salad, what's the history of that? Uh, using up uh, old stale bread, fundamentally. Exactly. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that that does that cover everything? I mean, that's kind of all the points we want, isn't it? You know, sweet, sour, crunchy, soft, you know. And the crunchy element of this is the one that I think is often... Uh, you know, forgotten really, whether it's in the form of vegetables or whether it's, you know, toasted nuts and seeds or bread or whatever. I mean, do you want some sort of crispy crunch in there? Well, yeah, 100%. I mean, we all have our memories of like the best coleslaw. And I think, you know, something like that, a real crunchy thing on, on a barbecue out, outdoors, the freshness of it, I think that's where you can have some real fun. And I think about store cupboards, what to have in your store cupboard is a really good one because a lot of people don't have time to cook at home and, and rustling up a salad is is quite simple and easy. But if you've got some amazing things in your store cupboard, you can make it really special quite quickly in, in, in a matter of minutes. And that, that's, well, I do that a lot with, with a lot of different things like kimchi, for instance. Tom, you mentioned kind of, you know, caring for these ingredients. It's not just about chucking stuff in and jumbling it together and, you know, pouring a bit of oil over. So what, you know, let's take a basic salad, you cucumber, tomato, you know, onion. What should we be doing with it to treat those ingredients before, you know, we mix them together? So I like to think of like the harder ingredients or the ones that contain quite a lot of water. So tomatoes, cucumbers, um, and sliced onions. Don't go full on for a massive English onion that's really punchy and like full of acidity. You want, you know, a softer Spanish onion or red onion that's got sweetness to it that you could eat properly raw doesn't need cooking but the idea of slicing them and just salting them with, with, like a little bit of, of, of flaky sea salt over the top maybe a pinch of sugar and just leaving them for 10 minutes
minutes. And what that does is kind of, it draws some of the moisture from them, but they still stay textually quite crunchy. It just softens everything. It brings it, gives it a much more rounded flavor. They all become a bit more friends with each other. Then drain that off. It, it maybe even keep some of that water to put into a dressing. Who knows? But I would, that's a, a really good start. That foundation of just salting everything for five or 10 minutes first before you do anything else and then mixing them together. Are we deceding uh, cucumber? No, 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 they're lovely. No. I think they're lovely. I have another little tip on that. Brine, like we, we brine a lot of things and, and a great thing for like from your store cupboard. When you, if you like olives, the brine from olives and the brine from capers, they're unbelievable flavour. So I've got into the habit of taking like a courgette or cucumber or, or, or any of those things and tomatoes and brining, you know, take, because it's something you would normally, normally throw away. So put the brine of the olive over into tomatoes or courgettes or something. And then whatever salad you're doing, if, it, if you're using herb, if you take the stalks of basil, for instance, you could put that in with the courgettes or the or the tomatoes, and the the vegetable that you're brining or salting to break it down will take in all the flavour of that as well. I also use and how how long are you brining that for? Then just talk well, us through the process a little bit. It also bit. depends on how big you cut it. So if you're cutting a tomato into into wedges or like quarters. You're talking 20 minutes max, you right, know. Okay. Um, courgettes might take a little bit longer, but you could slice them really thin. Um, if you have a mandolin or a sharp knife, just slice them as thin as you can, put them into the brine and it'll be ready in 10 minutes, you know, and that's it. And I also use some of those brines um, for making a salad dressing and use the jars as well. So you take some of the brine, some mustard, maybe some, I love anchovies as well, some anchovies, even a bit of parmesan, grate it all in and, and blend it and you're using everything and that dressing a tomato salad is one of my favourite things. Roasting veg, I mean, how, you know, cooking them, what what should we do to get, you know, as much flavour as we can in there? But that's the thing, salads as well, you, you talk about roasting veg, you, you, you think um, salads you just essentially think as being something that's an, a, an outdoor summertime thing. But do you know what? Roasted root vegetables in the autumn or the wintertime, where you're bringing out those natural sweetness, the caramelisation, straight away you're getting crunch, texture and sweetness from roasting those root vegetables. Dress that with a French dressing and leave that to cool just a little bit, come to room temperature. That is an amazing wintertime salad with some peppery rocket leaves or some watercress, something that's big, strong, robust. Bust, maybe even some teared up bits of kale that suddenly becomes the salad leaf. It has that wonderful irony robustness. It's not just for the summertime. Strikes me we've been misled slightly on salads in that, you know, it's always a case of you must have the most amazing ingredients. Now, if you do, that's fine, and you can probably treat them very simply. But actually, it strikes me that it's a good way of using, you know, if you put some work in, it's a good way of using fairly average ingredients. You can transform, as we're saying, roasting, you know, barbecuing through summer, whatever. You can transform average veg into something spectacular in a salad. Um, Robin, you're working at one of your restaurants next to a farm. Yeah. So, I mean, has that changed the way that you serve salads there? Because you do have access to those prime ingredients picked straight from the ground. Well, yeah, I guess it kind of takes me back to my memories of my mum growing some salads and and um, growing salad leaves. Sorry, pardon me. And I remember like the new potatoes, you know, when you pull new potatoes from the ground and, and then you cook them straight away. Those simple memories stick with you. And, and I guess working in London for many years, um, we didn't have that kind of opportunity where I wasn't close to a farm where you could get a, get access to ingredients like that. And I guess part a lot of my training was working for fantastic restaurants that had their own ground. So um, 
now I'm fortunate enough to, to work in a place or, or oversee a restaurant where we have all of these amazing grounds and we're growing from from right outside the kitchen door. And I swear to God, the flavours are phenomenal. When you do pick things, and we try to pick just before service. So spring, summer, what kind of things are you harvesting? Well, we've got sorrel, we've got radishes. Oh my God, the most amazing radishes that at the moment we're just serving with a, a smoked codro whipped and um, a load of Tabasco in there. Um, we've got the older broad beans are about to start and even the flowers from older broad beans. And, you know, I'm not one for throwing out the flowers onto plates and stuff, but... Some of them might just blow your mind, you know, like the, the rosemary flowers are incredible. We did like a fried courgette dish the other day. So we did like some brine courgettes into a bit of a batter and then uh, fry them and then and then drizzle some honey over the top and some rosemary flowers. And it just it's just a punch in the face of flavor. And also when you get the flowers from the courgettes, that's where it gets really exciting. And we stuff it with a goat's curd and similar process, a little bit of honey over the top. And it's just super exciting. That's the top end. To bring it back to the domestic kitchen, are there some very basic things we can do? For instance, just letting everything come to ambient temperature. Yeah, I mean, that. well, I, I'd agree with that to a certain point. Some things, yes, tomatoes are much better at room temperature, okay? The tomatoes are much better at room temperature and seasoned. They, they, they will taste a million times better than being from the fridge. But sometimes there's nice to have that crisp, crunch, coldness, an iceberg lettuce or the slice of the onion. I think sometimes there is something that it, where you have that cold texture against something that's got room temperature and then perhaps even like frying some mushrooms off and putting them in and stirring. And you get this mixture of all the things, that instant point when you eat it, if you eat it straight away, that's when it's like magic, these temperature changes. So, yeah, room temperature for some things I definitely agree with. But I'd say look, the, the one, probably the most famous salad that everybody knows is the Caesar salad, right? Everybody knows that. And we've ordered it. We've all ordered it in hotels when you've gone there and you, you're not quite sure what you're going to have on room service or you have it at an airport before you get on a plane. It's one of the safety go-to things. And and you, you can you can have it with child-grilled chicken if you like. And you, But actually, break that down. That essentially is crispy, crunchy leaves. It, it's a piece of protein like the chicken. You You've got the croutons that there are giving it texture and crunch. And then you've got this amazing dressing that's been built together with the saltiness, the beautifulness of Parmesan cheese, uh, the, the anchovies. Now, Robin mentioned anchovies. Oh, they're incredible. They're fantastic. And most people go, oh, anchovies. But anchovies are in Caesar dressing. The garlic, the all of their big, strong, punchy flavors that come together. And they kind of, you've got to make sure that they coat the leaves properly. Everything about it gives a coat. So if you work your salad building, no matter which way you do it, and think of it as as a Caesar salad, where am I getting the crunch and the texture? Where am I getting the salt from? What am I getting with the protein? How am I going to build? How am I going to keep it and make sure it's all dressed? Imagine each time you're building a Caesar salad, but you could do it with different ingredients. I think you're going to be on safe ground every time. Funny you should mention Caesar salad because uh, I have a bit of a problem with salads that have got massive leaves in there. I don't really like cutting a salad. Maybe that's an inherent laziness. I quite like a salad it's definitely where... definitely a laziness thing, I think. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I, mean? I mean, come on. You're, you're anti-salad because you might have to cut it. Yeah. I, quite like, I quite like the idea of things being quite finely diced so you get a bit of everything in every mouthful. You know, and I don't like salads where you're potentially going to get slapped in the face by things covered in dressing, you know. Uh, and, I, 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 you know, I suppose Russian salad being my ideal salad, you know, a bit of everything in every mouthful. I tend to think that works better than big leafy salads. 
I don't know. I think you're showing your age here. No, you want everything chopped up. Yeah. <laughs> Quite possibly. Quite possibly. Um, we mentioned uh, radishes earlier. I mean, is this another element of this thinking a bit more kind of laterally about what veg we include in these salads? You know, fennel, chicory, roasted cauliflower, beetroot. You know, these aren't necessarily go-tos. Increasingly, you know, they are salad ingredients, but... You know, you can use anything, basically, can't you? Yeah, texture and crunch. Roasted cauliflower, you mentioned. But what about the outside green kind of like stem stalky bits you get on the outside of cauliflower? Quite often people take that off and then throw that in the bin, but chop that up fine and use that raw. It's crunch, it's texture, it tastes fantastic. Robin mentioned earlier about um, the use of flowers, but and that's something that's come through in cooking in the last 10 years, and there's a lot of chefs that either like it, don't like it, it doesn't mean... But actually, in terms of going through the salad, the flavour that they give are amazing. The, the leaves, radishes... Radishes are amazing, but actually now you can get radishes with beautiful stem and green leaves on the top, and those leaves are really peppery, delicious. Nasturtium, who'd have thought of nasturtium 15 years ago? What do you mean? You can eat the actual, the nasturtium leaf and the petals. I mean, the way that things, they have peppery strength, flavor. So there's so many different things that you can add to a salad that are soft, light, throw them in at the end, but they contain so much flavor in terms of profile. Robin touched on his uh, fondness for holding on to uh, olive and caper brine, which is a pretty brilliant idea, actually, so that is one I will be trying. Uh, Tom, if we say to you, right, knock up a salad dressing now, what's your kind of go-to? It, it would it always be mustard, and I love it with an English mustard, so I love that strength of English mustard. I love anything, anything that can make you cry with, with with that sort of heat. I'm a big fan of, right? That, but it's always very good with a really good, strong, uh, peppery olive oil. Like, you need, like, the, the extra virgin. Re- spend your money on your olive oil. And you don't need to use a lot of it. This is the thing. The flavour goes such a long way. But, yeah, it would be English mustard and olive oil. I know there, there'll be... There's a certain French friend, mutual friend of both <laughs> Robin and I, who would be horrified at the thought <laughs> that we're putting English mustard with, with, with olive oil. But, actually, the reality, I love those kind of... That combination of the big, strong, punchy, heat peppery flavours. Not quite sure why you want to be left in tears by it. A psychologist yeah. would have a field day with that. But anyway, uh, Robin, you go about 50% oil, which is slightly unorthodox. Yeah, I try to go less, you know. And right. it, it, again, because you're getting, because I use the brine from from the olives and then I, I've got a really acidic palate as well. So I love my vinegars. I love my, uh, like just, and they don't need to be hugely expensive either. Just a standard um, white wine vinegar. And I, I would I would go with more Dijon, you know, and I'd smack it with a lot of Dijon as well, like two or three big tablespoons into a jar and um, yeah, a good glug of vinegar until you, you know, until you're nearly crying and then about 50%. 50% <laughs> There's a chef's oil. trait here coming across. Yeah, <laughs> I know. <Masochistic> yeah. <laughs> And that's and and the best way to taste it is like take a little bit of your salad or your radish and just dip it in and just do it to your liking and that's it. What we're learning here is that chefs have ruined palates for many <laughs> yeah. years of eating at the high end. Um, do we have to use olive oil? No, I mean there's rapeseed oil. You can do a mix as well. Um, you could do a, a sort of a, a percentage of a really good high quality olive oil and then do a standard vegetable oil or sunflower or rapeseed or something alongside it too. It's and you could get really creative and there's some, an amazing smoked rapeseed oil out there as well. So if you were doing something that was grilled or just a simple thing like tomatoes dressed in a smoked uh, rapeseed oil vinegar, it's 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 another another flavor profile that raises the bar. 
Yeah, I mean, we've even um, beef fat. We yeah, mentioned yeah, it yeah. earlier. Beef yeah, fat. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, yeah, it's a great way. Yeah. And I know Robin mentioned earlier, like a whipped codswell. But if you've got some of that, you know, some some base level codswell, and then just emulsified that a bit, like making a mayonnaise, and you've got this really loose kind of smoky, fishy dressing. But it's not too pungent. It's not too no, powerful. It's just yeah, yeah, it's just lovely. The things that you can do. You could just have a simple lettuce, but if you put the effort into the dressing, all of a sudden you've created a magical salad. It's time for Where Do You Stand On? Where do you stand on? So next up, we're going to do a quick fire Where Do You Stand On? So settling some important issues around salad in short order. So, Rocket, Robin. I love Rocket. I know it's been Weirdo. sort of over <laughs> overused. <laughs> but again, going back to that garden, the difference between a, a Rocket that can grow in the garden and it comes back every single year. And that's another one of those, a, a good Rocket will make you cry and it makes me cry in a good way. <laughs> huge, huge fan of Rocket. Really? I love it. Yeah, big fan of that strong, peppery. I love it. I Do you think not it's find good. occasionally it's like chewing your way through a privet hedge? Yeah, I like that though. I like the fact that it's making you eat something. It's not, it has a presence. It's telling you that it's there. It's there for a reason. And is it, is it, it's like this gnarly. I think I'm being told to man up about pepper. rocket. Yeah, here. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you need to cry more. Yeah, yeah. No, no, really. <laughs> yeah, no, big fan of rocket. Salad cream or mayo, Tom? Oh, I, I love mayonnaise. I'm a big fan of mayonnaise, but actually there's something quite nostalgic uh, and lovely about salad cream. We make our own salad cream for the restaurants and I, I love salad cream. I think it's great. Robin? I would go salad cream as well. Uh, and I was against what, what it. What a day for, of revelations I, I, was against, I was against it for a long time and then the lads made it their version of a salad cream and exactly that for nostalgia purposes. And they did it with a steak and a, a nice wedge of lettuce and loads of shallots and chervil, tarragon, parsley over the top. And they, they elevated the salad cream. So I was converted. Pasta salad. Is that a contradiction in terms, Robin? I've seen it done so badly, especially at staff dinners. You know, when someone overcooks the pasta and the, the dreaded sweet corn is through it and then there's a horrible tuna and someone puts far too much mayonnaise in it. I've seen it done badly so many times. It needs to be really good to turn me. No, I, I, I am not a pasta salad fan. I, fresh pasta, beautiful, just drizzled with olive oil <laughs> yeah, and a couple of maybe anchovies and capers for it. Delicious. Let to go cold as, as a salad with, stirred in with some shop-bought pesto. I mean, that does not work for me. <laughs> Bean salad, Tom. <sighs> if it ha it has its place, if it's like beans with shoots and leaves and pulses and and mixed properly, if it's just like a, a empty a couple of tins of beans mixed together with a bit of olive oil, no. Again, it, it, that falls into the realms of the pasta salad with the rubbish sweet corn. So... So I'm going to go with no unless it's looked after and cared for in the right way. Is it bean and pulse dependent, Robin? I think it's bean is great, but it needs to be, I, I like spicy bean salad, but it's amazing how much, and actually with feta, sometimes I've, I mean, my wife makes a mean bean salad with um, like loads of peppers, chilies in there, courgettes, uh, a couple of different types of beans and like, um, yeah, like char grilled peppers, but it's spicy. There's a lot of fresh chili in there. The funny thing is it has to be eaten on the day. The next day it's awful. You know, it just, it loses all its flavor. Yeah. Anything that involves tin butter beans where it's just basically like, you know, I don't know, wet paper. That's <laughs> that's deeply unpleasant. So uh, this may be more controversial or more complex anyway. Fruit in salads. 
And I don't mean fruit salad before you say it. <laughs> um, no, I'm I'm an I'm I'm not convinced of that unless it, it's, I quite like a pomegranate seed in the right thing with kind of like mm. that that where it sits in an authentic salad that sits from the region. I love the, the idea of pomegranate fruit. Again, and they're in there because they're actually not that... Well, they're a mix of the sweet, acidic crunch. They work. So pomegranate seed is a fruit. Yeah, any other fruit, nah. I'm not saying it doesn't work. Obviously, I mentioned one involving orange earlier, but there was that tendency at one point, wasn't there? You know, you'd go to a garden centre... Not that I spend a lot of time in garden centres, but, you know, you'd go to the cafe and you'd get this kind of side salad and it'd make sense, but then somebody just slice some strawberry over the top. Yeah. And you're a bit like, why? <laughs> why has that happened? Or, you know, a couple of grapes. Apples and raisins in your salad? Oh, no. Robin? No, I don't like raisins in a salad, not at all. Apple with, like, you mentioned a Wardorf, you know, something like that with a load of blue cheese, some toasted walnuts. Um, I love, actually, one of my favourite salads with a load of really nice chicory and something bitter in there. That's incredible. But, yeah, raisins, no place. No, and just no wantonly throwing fruit in as a kind of no. bit of colour. And it goes, it goes, it goes again for, like, for perfect ingredients like peaches and stone fruits just about to start in season now. And one of my favorite combinations is is like stracciatella which is like a kind of a broken burrata translated a really good quality stracciatella with some amazing olive oil and fresh peach over the top maybe a little bit of honey and a good pinch of rock salt is just amazing and that that's one of those things that the peach needs to be warm that's not pleasant not that it's not pleasant but it's a different ball game when it's when it's slightly warm and that is just it just reminds me of summer is that a salad or is that feel a bit more like then. a starter? Do we, I mean, we, I think we don't it's have a starter time to get salad. into this. But, you know, I'm not sure that's a salad. By my, that is a, a beautiful, beautiful dish, though. Good. Like, it's, it's a dish. He's not calling it a salad, yeah, though. Look. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I would say that's not a salad. So, I mean, this is less. I mean, we can't answer this in a yes or no. But how do you serve them? So, you know, there was a there was a tendency historically, you'd have a massive wooden ornamental salad bowl and some tongs, which, you know, a spoon and a massive outside spoon and fork, which it's absolutely impossible to serve anything with. I mean, should we be portioning this out as we serve people? If they help themselves, how in God's name are they meant to transfer it to their plates without it going everywhere? I'm a big fan of a big salad bowl dumped in the middle of the table and everyone helping themselves. That's that's my style. Whether whether we use those kind of like wooden spoon and fork thing is another thing. Give it, give them something else to serve it with. But I'm a big fan. Are of Are you superhuman? Are you telling me you can use them effectively without being? <laughs> no, no, everywhere? no, no. But I would use the wooden bowl. <laughs> I love the big sort of, you know, those big vintage old sort of something you find in your grandmother's house, like big porcelain things like covered in like, I know you'd find in your granny's tea set. You know, I love big things like that with a nice salad. And and also, I kind of like it for if you're hosting friends around the house, I like an accompaniment. So I do a great lamb shoulder at home and do a, a char-grilled courgette salad on a bit of a ghost curd. And I like that kind of an accompaniment to it. It's a real sense of occasion when everybody sits down. But I think just a big spoon and a fork separately and it's the easiest way to serve it. So we're in the any other business end of this salad conversation now. Um, cheese in salads. Um, you know, yes, there are examples where it works. You know, feta, you were talking about Greek salad earlier. Uh, I'm not convinced. I mean, you know, goat's cheese salads with just a bit of frizzy and, you know, I don't know. Well, I don't know. Robin touched on it earlier. Blue cheese with chicory, it works really nicely. Like grated parmesan over the top parmesan. So I like. They, they I feel cut... it's a bit of a cop-out at times. You know, you stick some cheese in and suddenly, oh, you've got this luxurious ingredient in there and everything else is then kind of neglected slightly, you know. 
Well, it depends how you use it. If you use the cheese for the flavor profile that it brings, the blue cheese has got that kind of like stringent, acidic kind of like punch and flavor to it that works really, really heavily as opposed to using a big, strong dressing. The blue cheese is doing that work for you. Parmesan is all about the salt, the same as the feta is about the salt. I think, I, and then you could put things in uh, like the, uh, a mozzarella style or burrata style salad, which I will go with if you're having it with peaches, it's fine. But that brings a softness and a roundness to things. So I think, yeah, cheese definitely has a place in a salad for me. I just want to ask a question because um, I see this just tacked onto endless menu, uh, endless recipes, and uh, I'm never sure what it means exactly. So, you know, serve with a crisp green salad. So, Tom... What is that? Well, it's clearly a salad that's crispy and green. I mean, what? Do you, I mean, I, I'm I'm wondering if I put that in any of my books. I probably <laughs> have, but I I think what happens is it, uh, it, it's that idea of something that's crisp and fresh. It's that it will be like Robin talked about, like with the lamb shoulder. That then you want something that cuts through the richness of something. So a crisp green salad, and everyone knows what a crisp green salad is. It's rocket. <laughs> <laughs> Robin, can we aim higher? Well, Chris Green salad for me, one of my favorite things, and it's a great thing with a, at a barbecue or a cut through anything, a bit of fish, but it's about salt, acidity, freshness, and um, I guess punching in, in the face, acidity. And Nieve is a, a, a mutual friend, a great chef. She uh, she served the salad for, for us once, which was just an uh, iceberg, not an iceberg, sorry, baby jam lettuce cut in half. Super fresh. I reckon they dipped it in ice water maybe beforehand. And then uh, loads of mustard, vinegar, um, olive oil over the top. But then crispy bacon, anchovies and capers. So all of the things which are just like high, high in salt, flavour, acidity, the whole lot. And that with anything is just phenomenal. See, carriage, that is a crispy green salad. <laughs> yeah, but it wasn't his. It was Nemesh and Sabor. Nothing's mine. It's always someone else's. This is what we've been talking about through this whole conversation, really. You know, the potentially banal risen to the realms of the sublime. That's what salad can do for your summer people. You Thank go. you very much, Robin. Thank you very much, Tom. Pleasure. Thanks for listening to the BBC Good Food Podcast with me, Tom Kerridge. For more brilliant cooking advice, don't miss the quick bonus recipe episode. Let's cook together. See you next time. Download the BBC Good Food app today and get inspired in the kitchen. Try a 30-day free trial to discover more than 13,000 recipes. Plus, as part of your subscription, you'll enjoy new ideas and exclusive recipes every month. The app will help you cook your best every day and build confidence in the kitchen with a range of skills videos and food masterclasses. You can organise your week by saving your favourite meals to make every day simpler. Plus, it's totally ad-free, so there are no distractions. Visit the App Store and search for BBC Good Food to download the ultimate cooking app today.